and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith, and thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, David is not here, uh, as is tradition. He is uh, sitting out our Oscar discussion, but don't worry. I've been getting texts from him from the last two hours uh, talking about how much he has uh, really hated this ceremony. Uh, and I was almost thinking of inviting him to uh, to join us because he clearly has an opinion. But uh, but we already have uh, we already have three people. So why uh, why gum up the works? Uh, and speaking yeah, of his, his perspective will be well represented. OK, good, good. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, for the last several years, look, if it's Oscars, there are only two people that I would ever go to for a perspective. The first is our good friend, Ian Brill. Ian, how you doing? Doing all right. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, it's my pleasure. And then, of course, everybody's favorite um, guest. I feel like when you're on, you tend to be a guest host. Uh, and then there's like another guest. I don't know. So I'll say guest host. Everybody's favorite guest host, Jason Eakin. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. All I right. I think you might want to qualify favorite as well. I think those, uh, that was probably a very old and very uh, low turnout poll that uh, that got you that. Uh, it was between you and Bill Duke. And, uh, yeah. and, then that, and then last year's Oscar uh, episode pushed you over the edge. Um, I was not on last year's. I yeah, was that's sick. how you. That's how you won. Oh, that's right. It, it, Addition by subtraction. Ex- exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's what I say. Uh, who did we have last year? Just it was just I. the two. It was just you and me. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't. I didn't remember that at all. Because Jason, yeah, you were got, you were I ill. Got, I was, and like okay. halfway through the ceremony, I started like. Telling my wife, no, I think I feel good. I think I should. I think I can yeah. probably go and record. And she was like, "Sit down. You're not going anywhere." Yeah. Um, well, I do. You so know, after I the appreciate. Ceremony, I just started shouting my opinions <laughs> for for about two hours. I fe- I held the microphone out the window, uh, and I feel like I heard something. Um, if but you yeah, play that so... episode backwards, you can hear me <laughs> talking about Joaquin Phoenix. And then a few things about uh, Satan or something like that. It's kind of weird. Um, so, okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about, but we can't bury the lead. The winner of this year's awards draft is me. And I have now won three times. And it, it was between me and Scott. We both won twice. And then the Oscars came along and I I don't mind telling you, I just destroyed everybody because I'm so smart. When when they talk about the 2021 Oscars, celebrating the films of 2020, mm-hmm. when they say, don't you love that three-time award winner, they'll think they're talking about Francis McDormand. But to me, I yeah. will immediately think of Tyler Smith. Well, I do appreciate that. We, I, I am often associated with her. This is actually the second time I have gotten points from her. I had her for three billboards as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, it was, it was uh, pretty crazy because uh, Ian and I were talking beforehand. Man, early on in this season, Scott had this thing wrapped up. because, yeah. And this, this tends to happen. We, we have so many critics awards that we follow. And if you get a critical darling like a Paul Racy or Sidney Flanagan for never, rarely, sometimes, always, you, you're in consistently. 
And, and that's what he did. And he rocketed like 40, 50 points ahead of the person in second place, which was me. And then Ian, you were in third and you were pretty close too. And then it switched over to industry and suddenly, and I made some good trades. Uh, I bought, uh, not bought, I rented uh, Best Supporting Actor, uh, Adam, uh, da- Daniel Kaluuya, and then um, Original Screenplay, and then uh, Tenant for Catch-All. So I got visual effects, I and then like I owned the Supporting ca- Actor category for a while. I was like, oh, I, I'm glad I made that choice. So uh, all this is to say, like, I'm going to be putting out a book on how to do well in yeah. an awards draft. You know, it's it's not a big deal. I'm just saying... Yeah, I've won three times, but anyway. Um, so, uh, but it was very exciting. And I, and as always, I look forward to next year because it can really go, it can go any way. So, and, but the one thing that you can always count on with an awards draft is the during the draft itself, watching Ian just almost give himself a heart attack and just watch <laughs> beads of sweat uh, form on his brow as he agonizes over his choices. It's just... And I, I didn't do that badly this year, but you are stuck. It's just it's just the the pain of being stuck with with so yeah. many goose eggs. Yeah, I mean, Stanley Tucci is an American treasure, but choosing him for best supporting actor, I might as well have chosen to be punched in the face every time <laughs> an award, a critics award, is announced. Uh, it would have done me as much good because uh, apparently people were not ready for the Tooch. They were like, oh, we just want to watch him on CNN tour Italy and have food. It's like, yes, I want to watch that too. But maybe a movie where he's he's got Alzheimer's. Is that the movie? Yeah. And that, but that's not the one they wanted this time. No. Uh, they, they had their, they made their choice uh, with the father. Yeah. Um, yeah. One Alzheimer's movie. Per year. That's exactly. The rule. That's the rule. Um, but it is, you know, that's the thing is we, we do that, this draft so early. I mean, and you do your research and everyone was saying, Hey, the Tooch, as you call him, he was heavily in the mix. And I think when you got him, I thought like, damn it. Um, Jeez, but then him. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have traded you anything. Yeah, uh, but th- and I had David Strathairn, which got me a couple of things. Um, me. Yeah. So it's it's. Meanwhile, uh, I had I had I think the last one of the maybe the second to last pick for the entire draft. Everyone else had chosen best best actress. I'm sitting there going, oh boy. All right, I'm going to take a flyer on someone. It's either going to be Carrie Mulligan for this promising young woman movie. You know, I heard about that back in the spring. People weren't too high on it. Yeah. Or Elizabeth Moss for a movie I love, The Invisible Man. Hey, I'll go with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. I mean, just a giant swing and a miss. Yeah. it's. I was talking with, with a friend uh, about this and um, – and look, we'll get to the actual Oscars in a minute, but it's, I enjoy talking about the draft, whether I win or lose. I just love the, I just love discussing it. And he was just saying, he goes, well, you guys do the draft so early. Like you haven't seen the movies. It's like, that can be a liability. That's a point. Yeah. Like they're like, we were all looking up. What the fuck is supernova? Yeah, exactly. I'm still a little iffy. Yeah, people know yeah. that there was another movie called supernova. That's not the one that's partway directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Correct. Yes. 
Um, yeah, it's a huge movie, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. There's yeah. (laughs) What was it? Uh, Because yeah, a few years ago, admittedly, I wound up uh, winning that year as well. But like, I had just just win every year. I win every other year. Um, But uh, but no, it's I had just seen. I remember uh, Jason, you and I were driving to the draft, and the day before, I had seen three billboards. And of course that, uh, that was heavily in the, in the mix, but then I saw it and I was like, this movie sucks. Like, I don't like this movie. And I don't, and like, I, I forced myself to go with Francis McDormand and I was just like, I don't like that. I'm making this choice. And that's the problem is when you see the movies, you're, you can't help but bring your own opinion to it. And you feel like everyone else is going to agree with you. And uh, with three billboards, uh, I was incorrect. Uh, I was way off. Similarly, the very first Oscar draft year, you know, I we I had seen The Master because it was a September release, and so I just went all in. And even critics awards didn't really give the movie or Paul Thomas Anderson that much. Yeah. Not as much as, as you might expect. And so it just sunk so many categories for me. Yeah, they zeroed in on yeah. on uh well, and that year I didn't even really do any research. I just like went by instinct. Uh, yeah. which was a bad call. And I just thought like, hey, Anna Karenia, uh, everyone's going to go with that. Uh, and it got some critic stuff and it got some technical stuff, but like that was it. And I was just like, you oh know, boy. You and, I, you and I really love that movie. And that, I do love it, I, yes. Ian, Ian, do you like that movie? Uh, I've never seen that. Oh my God, mm. it is it is so good. It's Wait, pretty is special. is that Joe Wright? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Joe Wright, quite possibly at his most... Joe Wright. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what is here and there and everywhere is Oscar fever. Um, <laughs> I've got a case it's of it right now. It's that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> yeah, you can't get vaccinated against that. <laughs> um, so, okay. Oscar Sunday, the happiest Sunday in the world, as Jason has often sung uh, to himself, I think, and then people Oscar happen to hear. Sunday, the happiest Sunday in the world. That's the one. That's uh, the one. Yeah. But Jason, we'll go to you first, and then Ian with the rebuttal. Jason, sounds like this Oscar Sunday was not particularly happy for you. You seem to not care much for the ceremony. I, so I'm trying to like, (laughs) how much minutia do I immediately jump into? I'll say at at the very beginning, I was hopeful based on that sort of introduction they did with Regina King. I thought, okay, because I had also heard that Soderbergh wanted to kind of infuse the idea of cinema and make it almost like a movie make the broadcast almost like a movie so i thought oh this is going to be great they're going to do a bunch of stuff like this it's really interesting and my god i just found this thing to be just a complete dud most of the time they forgot the oscars or that movies involve pictures and they just used words and words and words cinematography let's throw some words at it music how about we throw some words at it it you know co- we're not showing any costumes we're not showing any barely showing any makeup we're not showing the cinematography we're not sh- it's like we're not showing clips of the actors performances or kind of sometimes we are or sometimes we're talking about them sometimes we're not talking about them it it just 
And it just became basically three and a half hours of the same thing. There was no sort of like, it lacked any sort of special flair. The more I looked at the set, uh, the worse it became. Like at the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting with the layers and things like that. And then I started paying more attention to sort of the blue backdrop. And I was like, well, that's just a just a big tall flat it's got no dimension to it you, you lose that it it seems to have some dimension when the, when you're sort of seeing it head on but but not in the way that normally the oscars have you know the wings and things like that so i i think i admire maybe some of the idea of it the initial yeah. idea but i think the execution and the lack of invention where there's usually a fair amount of invention really sunk this thing and in particular whoever's idea it was to do the songs in the 3 30 to 5 p.m block instead of during the ceremony should be taken out behind the barn and shot because yeah i wasn't i mean i you know i had the kids and i wasn't able to watch that i didn't know it was happening until i happened to turn it on and they said oh yeah we're gonna have these songs now and i was like that is a I'm like, okay, well, they must have something really special for the Oscars right. telecast if they're doing this now. And no, they didn't. They had nothing. The most visual thing during the Oscars was the West Side Story uh, trailer. That sure. Happened. Like, that's that's about it. So that's that's my overall take of, of the ceremony as a whole. I I think I agree with you. I was talking with Jen afterwards that, like, I really like the idea. I like the idea of as you go through the nominees, you're kind of giving some background on them. And it's like totally. that's a neat idea, and I think sometimes it was it was pretty effective. But if it's that in lieu of a clip or images of their work, and you just do that over and over again, Jen and I were saying afterwards, like, you know, this this wasn't bad, but this felt less like a celebration and more like an industry dinner. Um, or like the like the the nominees dinner that they that they would have, um, which is still interesting because you get to see you know it's like hey there's Daniel Kaluuya sitting at the same table as Glenn Close that's odd, uh, but kind of fun, um, and so I again like I don't I don't mind the idea of it and it's not as though they can they can abandon it halfway through when they realize like oh this is getting a bit monotonous they just have to commit to it so you know, hats off for trying to kind of strip everything down in the spirit of what we've all been living with, uh, very stripped down lives. So I kind of appreciate that and, and humanizing everybody there, but, uh, but I didn't find it particularly dynamic. I enjoyed a lot of the speeches, but, uh, as far as the ceremony itself, I didn't find it very dynamic in your no, thoughts. And I think, oh, well, let me just also okay. say, I think, I think some of the camera movements were not they, they didn't quite hit the marks in sure. terms of they tried to sort of dynamically move from group to group, especially for the technical awards. And multiple times they seemed to get confused. And I started going, wait, I'm not sure if I'm seeing the people that are these nominees or the previous nominees, yes. or it kind of would go back and forth. And so it just, it, you know, the, and I'm sure it was rehearsed. I just think it was just a little bit too difficult. Yeah. Ian, your thoughts. Uh, I think it all just comes down to maybe values and expectations because having it be like an industry dinner, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, especially 
when we talk about, I mean, the main criticism the Oscars get is that it feels like it drags on. Uh, I suspect, well, two things. I think that's one of the reasons why the songs were moved. Uh, the other reason was probably they were moved to give more time for people to talk, especially when it comes to technical Oscars, to give um, those, I, I don't know, what, monologues, you know, the, the parts where the actors speak uh, a little bit about each nominee. Mm -hmm. I suspect that that, I know reading a little bit of uh, Steven Soderbergh was one of the producers of this. I know he said he he did not want it to feel like a webinar is what he said. Hmm. He didn't want it to have a big uh, kind of Zoom feel. And I suspect going along with that, having actors there looking at and speaking to the nominees was a big part of trying to make a, a, a sense of togetherness, a sense of... Uh, people relating to one another um, in real time in the same space. Um, I suspect that they were trying to make a big push for that at a time where we're getting vaccinated and kind of uh, getting people ready for that yeah. maybe is, was the choice there. And I, it's, it's funny cause if, as, and I don't know if he was the only one who, or if he's the one who originated with that choice, although he had to be one of the people who agreed to it. Um, it is strange that they would, that a visual artist would want to go with that over the more um, maybe visual striking things about montages. I would, but I would say two things. They've done montages a lot. Yeah. There's only so many things you can do with montages. Um, and also directors love actors. So I suspect having an actor lead the entire introduction of all the nominees and having, and having it so much depend on an actor's, you know, performance, uh, even, you know, they're, even though they're themselves, they are still performing a monologue. I suspect that is kind of where he wanted to go. And I think I think it was interesting in the fact that it meant that everything was able to uh, to go by really fast without people being played off. Um, I don't think we had any instances of people pe people being played off because we didn't have an orchestra. We just had right. Questlove on the wheels of steel. <laughs> uh, he wasn't going to play off a dude when he's talking about his daughter dying that would have looked yeah real bad yeah um so you know he wanted to give time i suspect to actors and i suspect to speeches um and so you know i i and and time for nominees the fact that you really got to hear a little bit about people nominated for sound editing right uh, you know things that people don't usually care about it at all so I do think I, I can recognize all these choices of, as being very empathetic. And so I, I don't know. I do, I do like, I can see like, you know, I, I, you know, there are elements that I do miss, but. Now, um, Ian, I have a, I have a question for yeah. you. G give me a, 
one of those factoids about that sound designer that really, really meant <laughs> something mean? to you. And that Dude, you're loves you. Dude loves Star Wars. Dude loves Star Wars. One guy. Thank God. Wow. One guy got to see. Oh, uh, my God. We, someone loves Star Wars. One guy got to, uh, I don't know. There was a lot of talk about seeing movies that they were too young to see. I enjoyed Steven Yoon's little bit yeah. about that. Uh, Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Very because my first when the presenter is yes. talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Then it's... the 30 times, like my, my, my point in all that is it all just runs, it eventually it just kind of runs together yeah. and becomes one big, I don't know, I heard stuff about people, some people, I can't quite, the camera's moving in a little bit inelegantly, so I don't quite know who I was hearing about. And yeah. it, you know, it, it's not surprising to me that this is a Soder, that this could have been a Soderbergh idea, or it's an idea that appealed to him because it's extremely heady. It really, it makes intellectual sense. It just doesn't make sense. It, so, it doesn't make actual sense, which is kind of a, a lot of what sometimes he chases. And sometimes that's good. That's a great cinematic, you know, it's, it's good to sort of take those leaps sometimes but I don't think we'll see them do this again. And I think that's a good thing. So you're saying this is the Schizopolis of Oscars. Yeah, underrated well, like movie. It. Underrated movie. One of I his like Schizopolis. One of his yeah. best. No, probably I'd say it's more form. like, the, it's, it's probably like the good German of movies. Sure. Or of sure. Oscars. Uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Jen mentioned something just kind of offhand as we were watching and Mentally, I really latched onto it, which is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk, I mean, just culturally in general, but tonight there was a lot of talk about equity and equality, which is perfectly fine, but it makes you wonder, like so many of the choices made, like the idea of giving time to everyone, whether it be documentary short or lead actress, you know, giving time to everybody, both before they get the award and after, so that it doesn't matter if you win or you're just nominated, people will know a little bit about you before, beforehand. Mm -hmm. Or, so whether it be that, or for example, announcing best picture, not as the last award announcing best director so early like really this idea of like equal everything's on equal footing you know it's like hey best picture yeah officially that's like the most important award of the night but you know what we're not going to announce it last and director is like going to be in the first hour and to a certain extent that's kind of a neat idea until you get to best picture and then my mind is reeling as was jen's and was like okay like I had stepped, like I, I got myself a round table pizza today because it's Oscar day. Um, and I had stepped into the kitchen to get, uh, to heat up a piece. And so I'm just standing there for, you know, like 45 seconds. And then when I come back, In they're talking about- So that you don't have to hear more useless words you're never going to <laughs> of remember. Of course. Uh, no, I kept those on so I didn't have to hear what's happening in my head, um, which is <laughs> disturbing. And anyway, um, but I get it. I get back in and they're, they're talking about best picture. And I was like, and in my mind's like, how long was I in the kitchen? And I was like, did I miss actor and actress? Like, I feel like it would have, 
I don't know. It, it like really threw me. And then Jen and I briefly had a discussion. It's like, did someone make, did someone make a mistake or it, did they realize that like, Oh, we, we said we were going to be done in three hours. It's getting close to eight. You know what? We'll just have to announce actor and actress elsewhere. And we'll just jump to picture. <laughs> like my, my mind went to all these places That's and, funny. and it's just such a strange, it's such a strange choice and so I do wonder, and I'll and I'll talk more about the impact of that choice. But Jen kind of just happened to throw it out there casually. But the more I thought about it, it's just like, yeah, the idea of leveling everything, whether it be category, uh, uh, category, not choice, but uh, order, or the way you're presenting the nominees, the way you're presenting the winners, like. Do you think do you think that Jen was kind of onto something that there was this goal of like leveling everything and kind of making it that no one person or movies no is any more important than anybody else's? Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Part of it. Um, although I have other theories about why it ended on Best Actress and Actor. Uh, again, directors love actors. Mm-hmm. You don't get. George Clooney in every movie you make if you don't love actors. I also think the reason why it ended on Best Actor is because they thought Chadwick Boseman would win and that would be a great um, you know, him his his widow accepting I, yeah. I think that's who would accept she won the, she accepted the Golden Globe um, they thought, you know, they don't know who's going to win but they right. thinking like that would be such a touching uh, and important moment to go out on uh, instead of Anthony Hopkins winning and not being there. Right. You might do a funny Twitter video though. I did. I did have the thought. It's just like, yes, with Chadwick Chadwick Boseman, it would have been touching, but the thing that got me was just like, yeah, if they're paying attention, they know that this is a two person race with one person that isn't there and one person that is gone. And that's how we're going out. You know, it's real. Whereas like, you know, with picture, one of the reasons that it works is because even if three of the producers aren't there, the cast, the director, the writer, they'll all go up there, you know? And so it's, it's more fun. It's more of like a celebration. Whereas this was just like Anthony Hopkins. He's not here. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'll see you later. I felt like I was watching the International Christian Film Festival Awards, where every like, you know, I've I've had to I've had to uh, accept awards on the behalf of somebody because it's the it's the International Christian Film Festival Awards. Nobody's going to fly in for that, you know. Like so, like half the people aren't there for the awards, and that's how it felt. And then it's just like, oh, all right, well, no one's here to accept this. Well, I guess we'll see you guys later. Thanks for coming. That's how it felt to me. It was a delicious dumpster fire. I'd like to go back really quick because I, I'm, I'm ba- I've been bagging on them. First, I want to say, when I say I didn't like the ceremony, I mean this stuff, it's like the structure of it, what the Academy mm-hmm. did has nothing to do with, there were some great speeches and stuff that we're going to get oh, yeah. to, certainly. Um, I love writers. I love words. I am a writer. Um, but even I know more words does not necessarily mean better words. And right. there comes a point where like, oh, I think we're bank, we're, we're, we're leaning on these way too much. We're not letting, it's a visual medium. We need to embrace that. Anyway, that said, 
I think Ian is a million percent right. I also think they kind of thought that maybe Viola Davis was going to win actress. So they were going to have Viola Davis and then Chadwick Boseman. But I think there's an even more important reason because those two things alone, they may not move best picture. A little ways through this uh, this thing, when when I certainly wasn't expecting Francis McDormand to win, was right. anyone else going? Maybe it's not going to be Nomadland because it yeah. didn't win cinematography and it didn't get editing. And it didn't, didn't get, get adapted screenplay. screenplay. Yeah, and and I'm going okay. So maybe this is maybe it's they're just going to give it best director, which would be entirely peculiar. But yeah. I think it speaks to Nomadland. I, I've been saying this to people. For, for a couple of weeks now, Nomadland is a weird-ass best picture. It's, yeah. a, it's a very good movie. It's in my top 10. But as a best picture, it's even more peculiar than something low-budget like Moonlight, which has sort of a more, I guess, compelling... Um, it's sort of making a larger statement in yeah. some ways, um, whereas Nomadland in some ways to its credit is sort of sidestepping that statement for a very simple human story. So it is just such a peculiar oddball best picture. Um, And I think they kind of felt like, it's not like people are like in love with this movie and have been championing this movie and just been dying over this movie. So it didn't have this kind of like heat. And so to end on that as your best picture, already feels a little anticlimactic, which obviously these two, if if actress, actor are both going to go to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, well, right. that's kind of a great like crescendo moment. And so I think all of those pieces played into it that they did, it, no matter what one best picture, it wasn't going to be something people were like, it, right. it wasn't going to be Parasite from last year. It just yeah. didn't have anywhere near that type of love for it. I will say that, yeah, because it's just like, oh, it didn't get cinematography. It didn't get adapted screenplay. She got director, and, and I thought, is it going to get picture? And I thought, it's rare for a movie to only ever get director. And I thought, but it's also rare for a movie to only get picture and director. And when it got picture, I was like, I'll bet Frances McDormand's going to win. Yeah. Uh, like, And it, it was something it, I didn't think she was in the running until it got best picture. And I thought they're not going to give this just, they're not only going to give this picture and director. They would need to give like, who's the other big contributor to this movie. Okay. Obviously the cinematographer is huge, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, it was very, it was interesting. Um, And, and that's true. Yeah. I, I don't know if there are any, any films that were nominated that people would have been elated by uh, whether it be like your average joe who frankly is probably not watching anyway uh or just like the movie people we run with like i know that we all last year were so delight delighted by parasites win and surprised and this year even though there are movies that i that i genuinely love that were nominated none of them really would have would have gotten that reaction out of me um But yeah. so, yeah, that's and, it's possible. They might have thought it was anticlimactic as opposed to the possible one two punch of not merely Chadwick Boseman, but also Viola Davis to African-American actors winning, which hasn't happened since it, it hasn't happened in 20 years or 19 years. Pardon me. Um, 
Like, and, and the last African-American woman to win lead was Halle Berry. Like that is, that category has been particularly dominated by, by uh, white women, which doesn't necessarily bother me, but I was doing a chart a while ago just to see in the last 20 years, like trends as far as like uh, cultural representation and, and racial representation. And that was something I was like, oh, this is this one's interesting. The supporting categories are fine, um, but this one is it really needs needs work. And I do. I, I think Frances McDormand does a great job. I love Viola Davis. I for a while, it looked like Carrie Mulligan was going to be the one to win. And I thought she was very good in the movie, but I didn't, I would have been bummed if it had been her instead of uh, France McDormand or Viola Davis. But, but yeah, it's such an interesting choice and one that, uh, again, this, I just feel like so much about this movie year from the box office to the Oscars to whatever. Uh, it's just such an outlier that even the yeah. ceremony itself uh, and some of the choices they made, like I don't think a, a one of them is going to be replicated. Not not even necessarily because I think the choice is bad in and of itself. It just felt like an experiment. And I don't think it was as dynamic as, as previous Oscar ceremonies. So I think next year they'll probably just go, the, you know what? The, uh, I think I think the the crowd was pretty loose. I think they actually really liked the informal atmosphere, and I wonder if the if the Oscars would try to go back to that. But you can't really do that in you know a huge auditorium. So I don't no, I don't think they'll was, be able to retain that. What I was hearing was like one of the reasons it might have been loose is because a lot of people were swapping out when it wasn't yeah. their category. They yeah. were sort of out in that foyer, which I thought was that was like the coolest part of it. I thought. And I did watch a lot of the sort of 3.30 to 5 o'clock thing. And, and, mm. and just that sort of whole area was kind of cool. It's sort of like an after party beforehand. Um, so I thought, I thought that was interesting. Obviously, the other thing they weren't banking on with the end was um, that Frances McDormand was going to like say five words. And then although her karaoke bar suggestion uh, yeah. is a really good one. Yeah. That would have made it awesome. Um, but they, they probably weren't expecting her to speak so briefly. So you've got yeah. a brief speech, she's out, here's no speech, and we're done. And it's just like... Yeah, and and oh, Joaquin Phoenix no. didn't even do like a, a good buildup, you know? Like no. that whole category was such no. a nothing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was, so what, what, I, I'm sure somebody knows, the, the, is there some bad blood between somebody there where like why wasn't Renee Zellweger doing actor and Joaquin doing actress? They're just flipping everything around, which is fine, you know. Uh, it's but I guess it's just I get locked into tradition, and uh, and and with the supporting categories they flipped it right. I mean they 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 kept it as it usually is, which is no, they, I think so. the winner they introduced supporting actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly. sorry, that's what I mean. Is it like yeah, they had the yeah. the gender doing for the opposite, but they didn't do it with the actor and actress, and I was very surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, it, okay, it's been a couple years. What do we think? I know what I think. Uh, we need a host. We need a host. It's only been we two need... years since we haven't had a host. Yeah. Okay, so it's been two years. Feels like it's been eight. Uh, <laughs> this was 
almost an entirely unfunny Oscars. Yeah. And in Does a year the Oscars that was funny. Uh, here's the thing. We're talking about what makes for a good show. Yeah. Not, you know, that's why, yes, it needs to be uh, sort of respectful to the industry. Um, and certainly in a year like this, I think both the, the sort of respect we'll get to Tyler Perry, who I thought was maybe the highlight of the night for me. Um, you know, great things like that, championing important work that people in the industry are doing. But there's also a sense of sort of taking the air out of some of the importance a little bit and having fun because you want 80 million people to watch this. And if it's dour and dull, you're not going to get that. And so if you're, if you, if the Academy at all wants to make the Oscars an important cultural touchstone to rivaled only by the Super Bowl or exceeded only by the Super Bowl, then you better put on a great fucking show. And they haven't. And they need a host. Yeah, it's and they've had bad hosts. And you know what? Last year, I remember thinking like, this isn't bad because they had some good presenters who were funny you know, and, and would have like shtick and it's like, oh, this is enjoyable. Um, and there really wasn't anything like that, you know? And so that's what I mean. You know, we talked about the idea of an industry, it be, it feeling like an industry dinner, which is officially fun for me. I enjoy the concept of that. Uh, and just seeing like these various people mingle with each other, like, oh, this is, this seems like a neat thing. Uh, but it, I recognize that yes, officially it's not that enjoyable nobody there's no singing there's no like bits uh and sometimes the bits don't work and sometimes they do and when they do it's a lot of fun but uh but yeah this one they real. i mean there was one bit and it was Lil roll howry howry which i enjoyed uh especially i enjoy his his back and forth with daniel kaluuya uh -huh. i enjoy Dan, daniel kaluuya in general we'll get to him in a second um who would have thought that the highlight of, of tonight would be Glenn Close, yeah. who has taken such a lackadaisical attitude to losing Oscars uh, that she's, she's just like... the most losingest Best Actress nominee. 0 for 8. Wow. Yeah. They still that, don't forgive her for killing all those Dalmatians. <laughs> Look out, Emma Stone. It's going to happen to you, too. Yeah, that is what happens at the end of 101 Dalmatians. She kills them all. She kills, yeah. She actually wins. <laughs> That's she what 102 Dalmatians is about, is the ghost of all the yeah. Dalmatians. She well, she kills throat, one, and then she drinks its blood. Yeah. She two. kills them all in the first 20 minutes, and then the rest of it is just slow, silent, methodical skinning. Yeah, um, it's, it's the psycho of Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no that was so it like and she did so well that i'm like was this written for her or does she just she can just do this and it was or is she one of the most brilliant actresses alive? yeah yeah exactly you almost want people to be like hey can we take this back and give her best actress but for this or for this yeah yeah we didn't really like hillbilly hillbilly elegy but this oh. this is kind of fun um yeah, it was so uh, cool when she, when uh, they were like, "Oh, that that's not fair to give to you." And she's like, "No, no, no hold on." And you're yeah, like, yeah. What, "What's about to happen?" And then she just starts rattling it off. You're like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> and I like that 
you know, she does the dance and then she's just like laughing at herself. Like she can't believe she just did this. And yeah. frankly, it's, it's stuff like that. Like I reckon, I, I acknowledge that officially like when, when operating in theory, the Oscars, there's nothing about them that requires it be, be like entertaining or fun. But when you see something like that, uh, I, I do agree that like when you when you play it all very serious, it looks it it often will tip into self serious, and and so you need a presenter or a host or somebody who even who wins like to occasionally take the air out of it. Um, and as like, someone who was an actor, um, you know what some of the most fun times are at rehearsals or wherever is when you and a bunch of actors are just riffing off one another and yeah. just playing around and having fun. And you're, some of you are very talented. It's pretty great. Like I remember some of my favorite jokes are when like the host, uh, it, it kind of pokes holes in, in the, the self-seriousness of the, of the event. I remember when Billy Crystal came back to host in two, for the 2008 Oscars, um, you know, he hadn't been there for a while. And so he was talking about, uh, you know, the, the financial crisis has just happened, the housing crisis, like it was crazy. And he was just talking about like, you know, there's a, it's like, it's, it's a tough time. We've just entered like an economic depression. And so what better time to have an event where millionaires give each other gold statues, uh, you know, and that, and then obviously the John Stewart thing that I quote every year, which is there's a montage all devoted to, uh, like issue driven movies that the Oscars have recognized. And then after the montage, John Stewart just goes, and none of those issues were ever a problem again. And literally just undid the entire montage in one line. So I do enjoy that kind of thing. And so a night, uh, so a ceremony, the way this one was as much as I did enjoy a lot of the speeches and it just felt like it needed a little bit of, for lack of a better term, not even silliness, but just something to kind of show that that this is, I don't know, that, that the event can be fun. The movies can be very serious, and that's fine, but the event can be fun. There's a celebration. It's a celebration of film. And I know it's a somber time in the country. I get that. But at the same time, like, yeah, it's, it is an event. And... I don't know. It's I'm not I'm not usually one that says we need more razzle dazzle. That's not usually me. But it did. This felt so muted to me. And I mean, the whole promise that and this is obviously not on her, but Regina King said when she came out was like, yes, this has been a tough year, but tonight's going to be a celebration. Right. That's that's supposed to be the thesis of tonight's Oscars. I don't know that they achieved that. Right. But anyway, uh, I feel I, I feel bad that we've been OK. We've been ragging on the ceremony. Let's talk about some good some good things that we enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed a, a lot of the speeches. Uh, I, I, I love Daniel Kaluuya's. I just like his energy. Uh, and I don't think I'd ever heard him speak in his natural accent. I didn't realize that he was quite that cockney. Um, but uh, but it was fun. And he just like just seemed to be winging it and seemed like you know he's he seemed to be like hey neat i won an oscar all right so I, what's going on it's still no i'm weird i still think it's wrong that 
both of him and Lakeith Stanfield were nominated for supporting. I didn't see the movie. I got the impression that Lakeith Stanfield was your lead. Um, and I know that the I know that the the studio pushed him in the leading category, but you know the the academy can do whatever it wants, and they chose to go with supporting, and that's just so fascinating to me as a as a choice. Um, so it's a movie with like no lead actor. I mean, what are what are we saying here, folks? There's it's like there, training. Or, oh no, I guess Training Day just swapped them. Yeah, there are movies. I mean, ensemble movies. Like, there's no but lead in Gosford Park. It's not an ensemble movie. No, it's yeah, not. yeah, uh, yeah. If they had made, it'd be one thing. It's still wrong, but it'd be one thing if Daniel Kaluuya was nominated for lead and like Keith Stample was in supporting. It's like, oh, they they up, just got. I would say it, they're the two leads of it, but okay. Keith Stample yeah. is more the character you follow yeah. most of the movie, right? And usually when there are two leads, they will, whether it be like Brokeback Mountain or Carol or Training Day, it's just like, okay, we're going to have to relegate one of you to supporting. Uh, and in this case, they did both. And it's like, oh, all right, well, good for you. It didn't split the votes. You know, it still went to Daniel Kaluuya. Um, I, I think people just didn't take, I think they were like, oh, that was nice for Lakeith Stanfield, but we all know that the supporting thing here is right. for Daniel Kaluuya. And uh yeah, that was one of the performances I loved most from last year. So I'm, I, I was super happy that he, and, and honestly, I, I think I've said this to you, Tyler, before, like I'm, I've seen his career and, and, and sort of followed him. And I don't really think I thought he had this in him. Like yeah. it is such a gigantic is, is, is the best word I can think to describe it. It is such a gigantic performance. And it is so like even just the clip they showed of, of that one rally he's at. I mean, it is just so dynamic from like the first second he's on screen. Um, well, and yeah, and just yeah, just the clips that I've seen. You know, my association with him is I, I saw him in Widows, and then of course Get Out. And yeah, like it's miles away from from Get Out. You know, and Sicario and Black. And Sicar- that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, the Black Mirror episode. Yeah, like quiet intensity is what I would yeah. associate with him. But being like this charismatic kind of leader is is really something. Um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed his speech. I really enjoyed um, Yoon Yoo Jung's uh, speech as well. Uh, I think I like any speech that just feels genuinely off the cuff. And hers definitely felt off the cuff. Uh, maybe because she 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 speaks English perfectly well, but it's clearly not her first language. And so she's just kind of saying things as she's able to. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it a lot where she's just like, she goes, Oh, you all did a great job. I, I'm, I'm just luckier, I guess, you know? Um, so, and, uh, and then also obviously uh, Thomas Vinterberg, I did not know about his daughter. Um, and, and that's such a, a sad thing. And so moving that like saying that at the, at the end of his speech i was just like oh geez i didn't know this was i didn't know this was going on and so it was a nice little nice tribute to to his daughter so um yeah i did not know that either until he was just on roger deacon's podcast this past week and sort of brought that up and didn't go into even as much detail as he did tonight but just said yeah. like that became what the movie had to be about for him it had right. to be about honoring that and honoring that spirit 
Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I loved his speech. I loved his speech a lot. And I'm trying to think some of, some of the other ones, um, Ian, can you think of any of any speeches and whether it be like a from a winner or like an introduction kind of thing that uh, that really jumped out at you? Um, this is uh, this is maybe going to sound negative when it shouldn't, but I do think it was weird. Uh, I I do think uh, I think Trayvon Free is actually really smart comedian writer he makes great made a great i think powerful speech uh about police killings and then his co-director just immediately goes into celebration mode and i felt like that was a little his the the co-director's uh choice that 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 felt that that felt a little like james cameron i was just gonna say that yeah uh you know, did a moment of silence for everyone who died in the Titanic. And then he said, like, let's party like, till well, dawn. Party. Like basically saying, like, we're still alive. Fuckers. <laughs> uh, but that's, I mean, that's the, the, that's the, the, the rope that the uh, uh, awards always walks. I beg your pardon, Jason. You said something. You're, you're talking about the speech for the live action short winners? Yes. Got it. Okay. The time loop one. I can't, I apologize. I don't remember the name. Uh, Two Distant Strangers. Yes. It's on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I actually was out of the room for that one, uh, not because I didn't care. Uh, it just happened to coincide with uh, one of the kids needed to be fed. And there was, for for like the first 45 minutes, we actually watched with the kids like on our lap and they were just mesmerized by the TV. We don't show them really any screens. And so there's like the first thing they were seeing and it was really, and for us, it was really nice. Like not that they're going to remember, but it's like, Oh, we're watching the Oscars with our kids. This is weird. Uh, but when it came time to feed them, they just wanted to keep watching that screen. So I ducked into the other room and, uh, and I missed out on that speech. Uh, so, but I think I, I, I saw on Twitter something about it where he talked about like the, the number of people that will be killed by police uh, on a given day or something like that, uh, which sounds pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, and I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm, you know, this is a film to what I'm about to talk about. There's a film that people had a lot of vested interest in, one that's about Hollywood. I think one that would be a great, uh, in a way, its own celebration of Hollywood. And yet, even though it won a, a few awards, I was shocked that no one manked the Academy. This was such perfect night to mank the Academy and mank all your your collaborators, but especially <sighs> to mank mank. You know, I think David Fincher would have snapped their throats <laughs> right, just... right there. Like from he probably would have like Darth Vadered them. I assume he can do that. You think he has just, those powers? I do. I think he would have just killed them on the spot. He turned down directing Star Wars because he said, like, oh, it's just a movie about two robots who meet a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> That's what he says. He, he said no, it's he like, two, yes, you look up his quote. I'm going to look up his quote. <laughs> it's not, he, got, two, he got his start on Return of the Jedi. He yes. One of the he said, stuff? I'm never doing anything like that again. I th- you know, I think he's doing okay. I think it served him well. Uh, 
incidentally, I feel like I would have, if I were like uh, Eric Messerschmidt or something like that, uh, I would have been real, like a lot more subtle about it. Be like, it's like, they say, I got to make this short. And uh, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> like, just like, just do it like that and see if anyone notices. <laughs> and, and so you just build. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Maybe yeah. you say, boy, I'm just making this up as I go along. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just it's the same word make but um but uh so i'm trying to think while while ian looks up this uh anti-star wars quote from uh the director of Alien it's 3. just he's got a weird <laughs> way of looking at it um but uh i'm trying to think i believe chicago 7 was that the only best picture nominee that didn't get anything uh did it get no because it didn't get any it didn't get editing or screenplay those were the two big ones yeah i think it is sad netflix (laughs) again gets no love do you think it was an anti-netflix thing sure okay anyway david fincher says star wars or the original trilogy is a story of two slaves, C-3PO and R2-D2, who go from owner to owner, witnessing their master's folly, the ultimate folly of man. <laughs> and he said, I thought it would be an interesting idea in the first two, but it's kind of gone by Return of the Jedi. See, even the one he works on, he's like, nah. I'm, There's... I'm failing to find the part where he turned down directing it. <laughs> oh, no, he turned down directing. For, for They went to him for Force Awakens. Okay. He said, oh, he yeah. Yeah. Now, I do wonder if he has just seen the droids cartoon and he thinks that's the original trilogy. He's, <laughs> he's, he's seen those and the second Ewok, Ewok adventure. Uh, yeah, and he's like, caravan I, of courage. He's like, I get Star Wars. It's fine. Yes. Um, There's a caravan. You got to have courage. What else do you need? <laughs> now, Caravan of Courage was the first one. Oh. Battle, for, Battle for Endor was the second one starring Wilford Burnley. That Battle for Endor is the second one. Yeah, but it's a whole battle. You know, the first the first one is just a caravan of courage. It is the battle over the Caravan of Courage? Yeah, they, <laughs> they didn't heard, like how they conducted gotta, themselves. You got to check out this caravan. Oh. <laughs> it's like, the are they... The uh, got to have that caravan. <laughs> is it... Are they frightened? Is are they are the people in the caravan a little a little skittish? No, they you can put anything up against them. That caravan <laughs> will, is going to go right through. They will cut right through it with guts between their teeth. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> as is always the case, uh, Those were the Ian, first Star Wars movies I saw. Do you, really? Yeah, they were on the Disney Channel when I was a kid. They just popped um, up on on uh, Disney Plus, and I gotta say, I I have not watched them yet. I'm kind of waiting. I'm kind of actually holding off until like I have a night free and I'm feeling nostalgic, and I'll watch those and be like, these are not very good, but I loved them when I was a kid. That was just you could just shoot a movie in fucking George Lucas's backyard and be like, hey, here we go. Yeah, and it, as long as you put Star Wars on it, yeah, uh, people would see it. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, Jason, you did mention Tyler Perry's speech, which I thought was really great. Um, I do like the idea, and I thought it was fairly bold, given the 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 tone of the evening and and what people were talking about. The fact that he talked about just being against hate. And not hating anyone and the fact that he singled out police officers that's risky that's a risky thing to do in that room 
And, uh, but I appreciate that, like, yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to preach the idea of not hating just as a concept, I mean, obviously the word hate has larger cultural connotations as well, but just as a concept, if you don't want to have hate in your heart, you have to acknowledge, you have to, you have to be willing to be like, yeah, this, this group over here that is perfectly acceptable to hate. Yeah. I'm not going to hate them either. And, uh, and I really appreciated, I really appreciated that. Um, it was, a, it yeah. was a, it was a really nice moment. I mean, not only it was cool that they, you know, sort of showed the ranch compound that he's built down in Atlanta, which is, I yeah. mean, unlike anything else, which is just kind of an, its own amazing thing that they only, you know, they just kind of showed kind of the, um, the sort of social outreach aspects of it, not even just the amazing filmmaking aspects of it, but it's, it was, it was impactful to me, I think, because he's not a filmmaker that I admire cinematically. Right. Um, I, I don't seek out his movies. I've, I think I've seen one of the Medea movies, you know, and it's just like, I just don't, he's not a filmmaker I follow. And yet to see what he's doing as a person yeah, really kind of like, just kind of was kind of a gut check of like, here's someone who is taking, it's not like his movies make a billion dollars, but they make a profit and he is using that profit to do as much good as he can possibly do. And just to hear him speak about it, that kind of, of social activism is just in his bones to yeah. help other people. Um, and that was, um, I think, inspiring and challenging uh and just sort of pushed all the buttons that maybe needed to be pushed in me of like wow someone i don't admire and sometimes could you know i don't think about tyler perry a lot but if someone was like should tyler perry be successful i don't know i don't know what i'd say yeah but again to, to just to see what he's doing with the success that he's uh, that he's earned uh is is just incredible and he spoke so powerfully and so beautifully. And, and like you said, it said some things that weren't easy to say in that room and just went for it. And that followed by, is it John Batiste? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For, just for Like sort of, that was the, the award right after and sort of his energy and his excitement about music and his excitement about just sort of working and collaborating those things that was like that was like the most exciting 15 minutes of of the night to me because it was it was artists who were who were certainly not unaware of what's been going on and certainly not in Tyler Perry's case but they were so energetic and so passionate um about what they do and that that passion like to not be you know we talked about sort of being funny like passion is another way sure. to to create a good show to talk about the things that you're passionate about in a dynamic way and both of them did that so well yeah. um and so it, i just i found it very stirring yeah so uh I wanted to to pivot to just like the things that actually won. Um, but before I do that, does anybody have anything else to say about the the ceremony, uh, whether it be structure or just uh, things that that happened, things that were said? We or I praise the fact that it 
uh, was able that it was rather brief, certainly by Oscar standards. Sure. There was one choice to make it brief that I think uh, ended up being perhaps even a little distasteful. And that is when they did the in memoriam montage, someone apparently had their finger on the fast forward button. Yeah. That thing went flying by. I'm surprised it wasn't like morphing like the video for godly and creams fry cry and just have the faces blur into one another the the guy in the booth just like had his had his uh, head on his fist and his elbow on the button (laughs) where's my coffee oh no (laughs) i did have that thought where it's just like this was supposed to be 17 minutes yeah i mean they damn it at this rate we'll have to put best actress and best actor at the end I like the idea of Steven Soderbergh storming into the booth and be like, what the hell is going on here? I really wanted to spend a lot of time on Wilford Brimley. Um, That's the second time I brought up Wilford Brimley today. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly as they went through, one of the things that I mean is like, man, a lot of people are gone. Um, And so maybe they thought that like, well, we really want to try and honor as many people as we can. So we have to kind of go through it. But yeah, at times it did feel like, I mean, some of these images and names are gone in less than a second. Yeah, half a second. You know, my other takeaway that I didn't, you know, when you see it all at once, that's when you realize that like, okay, uh, Ian Holm, Oh, Yafet Koto, mm-hmm. Ron Cobb, yep. and David Geiler. David like Geiler. Four for the cat, for the cast and crew of Alien, 2020 was a scythrow wheat field. Like it just, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a purge. Uh, you know, if I'm Veronica Cartwright, I'm just like huddling in a corner, uh, shaking. Um, but like, it was just the kind of thing that, like. You know, I, I was aware of all of those deaths throughout the throughout the year. Yeah. But when you see them all at once, it's like, man, 79, I guess, was just uh, tough for, for these people or, you know. Yeah. People that were working in 79, 2020 was not their year. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah but yeah. In 2021. But yeah. Fair enough. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And it's. I do. I do tend to like the in memoriam, and and I like when they draw it out and they have a, a very touching song. I like when they perform the song live, which I recognize they weren't going to do this time. But the song they were pl- that they did play was. It's not that it was upbeat or anything like that, but it definitely was faster paced, as it would have to be. You know, if you play Danny Boy, you're like you're halfway through the first verse and the thing's <laughs> over. Um, you know, but uh, but yeah. The oh, that's right. I was trying to remember the very first. Uh, I think it was the very first BPs back when I was like editing them like they were an actual ceremony. Um, and I did a thing where like Matt Warren came out to sing the song during the in memoriam, and it's just Matt who's like su- super soft spoken. He goes, Ahem. and then I just play Danny Boy as though he is singing it, and uh, uh, I enjoyed those. I wish I had the time to do them, but I don't. So it's just me, David, and Scott talking about it on Patreon. Um, so as far as who... Wait, I have, oh, a, yes. I have a couple more, one yeah. or two more... Point of order. Uh, ...ceremony things. 
Um, what was it? Oh, did did either of you guys watch any of the musical performances from no. the first part? I when you say watch, I had a class going on, so I had to have it on mute. So I technically technically I watched them, but I did Ooh. not hear them. It's a visual so, medium. Yeah. There you go. Um, so a lot of them were uh, done on the roof of the new Academy Museum. Oh. And there was also like a nice walkthrough of that uh, in that earlier block. And it's been pushing that thing for years. It was supposed to open in 2020. And then I know. Yeah. So it's slated for end of September of this year. Uh, It looks amazing. Um, But they sort of had sort of like this circular platform um, that was all like an LED screen that could then sort of, you know, obviously change visually. And it was very beautiful. And I thought that that visually it was really striking. Each one was very different, but the use of color in them was fantastic. So those are really good. Um, And then I wanted to ask what you guys thought of the music overall. Now I'm I'm hit and miss on Questlove and I was hit and miss on the music tonight. I, I really liked the very beginning. I thought that music was pretty great. And then I just kind of felt like it was a little too samey and didn't really, didn't really dig it. I guess the fact, I mean, obviously he, he does play, you know, he's playing snippets from existing songs, many of which uh, were Oscar nominees or winners from the past. Uh, And so (laughs) it is a little strange that uh, it's just like, well, you know, live and let die is it's a good song i enjoy it and i i guess it did win an oscar or at least was nominated for one but uh it doesn't really fit the occasion you know it's uh that's a much more uh upbeat or at least up tempo song than than this occasion um but uh but outside of those like anything else any kind of incidental music i don't think i even noticed oh uh, you did not notice when peter doctor you know thanks everyone for soul did mm-hmm. not mention uh, co-star of Soul, uh, Questlove. And then Questlove played the part of 9 to 5, where Dolly Parton sings, they never give you any credit. You didn't notice that? <laughs> you don't think he was may- maybe making a statement? Maybe. Maybe, maybe some Miss, there's... Miss Dolly Parton? As his, some quick thinking. Yeah. His voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you uh, want a montage, there's your montage. He's mixing it up. On the ones and twos. <laughs> I like when you use lingo, Ian. Uh, it's always it, fun. It's it's like the music became the montage and the the visuals became real. It was it was topsy turvy day. <laughs> uh, That's how Steven Soderbergh likes it. The only person who likes topsy turvy more than Steven Soderbergh, Mike Lee. Lee. Actually, he's. I, I knew you guys. Yeah, would get that. Yeah, he actually has said that's his least favorite movie. Not even just of his. Uh, <laughs> oh, just he in doesn't general. get to improvise the whole fucking exactly. way through. <laughs> exactly. They have like, oh, you can't improvise your way through a song, buddy. Not those songs. Buddy. <laughs> he's just like, oh, I just feel so hemmed in by these lines. <laughs> uh, okay. Any other ceremony stuff? Okay. Let's not rest uh, on ceremony. 
Can you can you mute Ian's mic? I think I can actually. This is my this is my prof, uh, professor account. I think I can do whatever I want. I could kick him out. I could. Uh, it says professor I can electrocute him through. His... Professor account's a good name. Yes. Look out, professor <laughs> account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, let's see who would who who would be his. Because I, I, Professor Account is obviously the villain, um, so I'm trying yeah. to think who who would be the hero. Because he's like he'd be like a third or fourth tier villain. Uh, his theme is that he uh, likes to count things, or he's good with numbers. Yeah, let's you, just say let's say Luke Cage. What the hell? Oh, um, I, I thought you were gonna make up like have someone called like Letterman. <laughs> he'd be all about the alphabet. No, it's David Letterman. Uh, yeah. He was a superhero for well, a you while. You haven't seen him lately. He's, he's got a <laughs> compound in my, Montana. You don't think he has a back down there? Yeah, oh, he's absolutely. Got he's got the space. He's got the beard. Yeah. Uh, he's basically Gandalf now. Um, so as far as the stuff that did win, um, mm-hmm. again, I've not seen Judas and the Black Messiah, and I haven't seen The Father. Um, so, you know, I don't... Based on what I've seen, I don't think I would have a problem with Daniel Kaluuya winning, and I don't think I would have a problem with Anthony Hopkins winning. I will say, just in general, I'm bummed that Anthony Hopkins wasn't there. I always like when these I like when these older actors who you kind of think it's not that they're past their prime, but it's just like okay, they've they've gotten their awards and they're just not gonna they're just not really in the running anymore, and then suddenly they do this performance that people really love and there's another Oscar and I would have loved to see him get an Oscar, you know, almost 30 years after winning for science of the lambs, but he wasn't there and that bummed me out. Um, but it looks, you know, very unfortunate because that, that, that is such an awesome narrative of sort of those, those bookends, especially because like, was it last year or two years ago, the two popes? I think uh, it was last year. Last year, yeah. Yeah. Just like it's like that's right. Oh, he was nominated for that too. That's right. Yeah, he's still getting nominations, but it kind of felt like I certainly thought like, oh no, he's kind of got his, and so he's yeah. he's not going to be like seriously considered. And then to win, um, yeah, I I definitely I haven't seen the father either. Ian, have you? No, I can't. I can't oh my gosh! To rent the 1999 uh, rentals. After I the, did it. I did it with Minari last night because I, I, might, wanna, I wanted to give that. the movie money, and my wife wanted to see it as well. So I was sort of waiting for her to watch it, and then we watched it last night. It's very good. Yeah, it's it's a movie that like when I and I won't talk about it here, but like when I had heard about the storytelling conceit, it sounded so perfect and horrifying to me. Uh, the father that I'm like, this, this sounds great and hard to watch. Uh, but I really want to see it. And P and, you know, people have said that like, it's, it's like Hopkins is doing stuff here that you, that you haven't seen him do in, in years. And so that's very exciting to me. And, and I like the rest of the cast. I like Olivia Coleman, obviously. Um, well, yeah, the I fact that it also won screenplay. Yeah. Uh, kind of you know kind of raises its profile for me i'm like oh this is a like those are two major awards i'm gonna have to check this out yeah it's it's one of those movies that like just by and large i mean it was it was in the it was in the mix when we were talking about uh you know when we did the the draft so people have been talking about it but it just seemed like having not seen it for a while it just seemed like one of those 
movies that like, yeah, it's, it'll, it's prestige. Let's give it some acting nominations and that's it. But it was up for editing. It was up for one screenplay. It was, you know, up for picture. And so like the Academy really seemed to like it. And from what it sounds like, uh, it's, it's not one of those stodgy movies about Alzheimer's or some other disease. I mean, it is, it is about that, but like, there's a, again, it sounds like there's a real vitality to it as far as the filmmaking and the screenplay. So I really want, I, I really do want to see it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there really weren't any, I didn't feel particularly disappointed. You know, this is not a, a green book situation, nor is it a parasite situation. I thought, I thought you didn't like promising a woman. Oh, I don't like Promising Young Woman. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that winning screenplay, yeah, you know what? Because I had it in the draft, I was like, all right. Um, <laughs> so it's it's throwing me off. But um, yeah, admit it, that's, you know what? That's true. Um, I think the screenplay for Minari is better. Um, and, now I don't, and now I don't remember what the other nominees were. But um, uh, Chicago probably. 7, yeah, Minari, Chicago. Sound of Metal, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And I haven't seen Judas, uh, as I said, I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah. I will say that Sound of Metal, Minari, it makes sense that it would that it was going to come down to Trial of Chicago 7 and Promising Young Woman because those are the most written. Sure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Minari is extremely subtle and Sound of Metal, I think, is is beautifully written, but it's, it's you know, you don't have these characters like speechifying or or anything like that. And so uh, it's, it just wasn't surprising. And if, if Aaron Sorkin had won, I like try the Chicago seven more than some people, but I, I wouldn't have given that screenplay either. So like the stuff that I would have given it to weren't, they were nominated, but they weren't really in the running. So I just kind of, yeah, I just kind of accepted that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just that it's that kind of, you know, Jason, you were talking about it. Like, I genuinely love some of these movies, but just that hasn't translated out even for me into being particularly invested one way or the other for in an Oscar situation, you know, Nomad, it's like Nomadland won best picture. Great. I think it's a great movie. It could have gone to sound of metal. I'd be great. It's a great movie. It could have gone to like any of these other movies. Like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, there's just there there. If picture had gone to promising young woman, I probably wouldn't have been thrilled. But um, but yeah, it was just. Uh, but I also would have been like, oh, I get it, cultural moment. Me too. I understand it. Why why they would go with that? Um, so yeah, I just didn't feel particularly invested. Maybe just because of the year, not merely not merely COVID and and there being just like fewer movies in general, but also the year that I've had and my, my seeing fewer movies, I didn't feel particularly invested. You know, my, my big, my big investment was Delroy Lindo and he wasn't nominated for best actor and that bummed me out. So, although I do also love Paul Racy and, and I can't say whether he was robbed or not because I haven't seen Daniel Kaluuya, but I do love Paul Racy in sound of metal i remember you know what this well i guess until best actor what i was hoping for with one of these other categories was something like the moment a few years back where we were i think we were at my apartment in north hollywood and gosh this might have been oh wow it was the first oscar oscar draft year 
because we were watching Best Supporting Actor and you turned to me and said something like, wouldn't it be cool if like somebody else won? And, and I, I don't even remember who we all thought it was going to be, but all of a it sudden was, Christoph Waltz won. It was, the discussion was between Tommy Lee Jones and Robert De Niro. And, right. For and even though, or, or Lincoln. Yeah, and even though I think both of those performances are fine, I think that was a good category that year. Um, but yeah, it's, and it was like, oh, neat. Yeah, it was yeah. just this wonderful sort of shock. And I think yeah. if Anthony Hopkins would have been there, that moment might have played out that way. Um, and think, think how how reverential people were about Glenn Close. Yeah. Now imagine Anthony Hopkins was actually there in the room and was making his way up to the stage. I genuinely think people probably would have stood. Like oh, I think yeah. they would have given him a standing ovation. Yeah, because it's Anthony Hopkins and he's such a respected actor. And this is uh, where the um not wanting it to be too much web-based and not, even though we did have um, different locations like in London, um, this is where it kind of blew up in their face. They didn't want anybody, you know, recording from their homes because it feels like Anthony Hopkins only <laughs> yeah. records from his home where he plays ukulele for his cat Niblo. <laughs> Uh, and it is adorable. <laughs> I say Anthony Hopkins and Ice T are the only people you need to follow on Twitter. Everyone else is using Twitter wrong. Uh, and <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and Ice T are the only people who use Twitter correctly. Um, so if he won the Oscar, but he like he held up Niblo the cat like as the Oscar, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And just gave this beautiful Shakespearean speech holding his cat. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did also like a moment as far as the idea of, of uh, people recording, not necessarily from their homes, but recording, uh, 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 accepting remotely. Uh, I don't remember who it was. It might've been the editor, uh, the winner of editing. I'm not, I, again, I don't remember, but uh, he thanked his wife and then she like jumped in from out of frame and gave him a kiss and then jumped back out. And it's like, Oh, that's nice. He was thinking someone that was right over there and she could respond. Um, but yeah, so, you know, overall, like this, they're appropriately, I guess, given the year that is being discussed, like it just wasn't that, it wasn't that dynamic, whether in the ceremony or the surprises or the, the, the winners, like it's a lot of stuff, just, there were a few surprises, but even they weren't like shocking, you know? Um, but there were uh, a couple surprises for me. Did, so you had, you had Mank for cinematography. I did. Did it win anything? Win? I know it was nominated. But it won the, it, the, the guild. It won uh, oh, it ASC. Oh, yeah. oh, see, I think I didn't even, I didn't even follow that yeah. because uh, I was so pleased by that because I felt like it wasn't winning very much. Yeah. Uh, and, and so to, to see that win, because as someone who really, I think love is too strong of a word, but really likes that movie um, and really likes the cinematography in that movie, I was, I was frustrated by what I perceived as the lack of love for it. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, I... 
I mean, no man land was, was winning a lot of stuff and it had, if it had won draft aside, if it had won, I would have been like, I'm perfectly fine with that. It's a beautiful movie. Um, but that was the thing is I think Mank for cinematography might have been the first thing I picked, uh, in the draft. I'm sorry to make it about that. My reason for mentioning it is that like, the Academy's a sucker for, for black and white. Like they don't, if, if a movie's black and white, they won't always give it best cinematography, but they'll lean that way very heavily. Um, and so with, with one like this, where it's like, Oh, it's not merely black and white, but it's all, it's old timey Hollywood. They're not going to be able to resist that. Uh, and it is a beautiful looking movie as, as I, I don't really like Mink that much, but I, I think it's beautiful looking on every front, including, costumes production design cinematography i think it's a gorgeous movie um but yeah and that was and that was a bit of a surprise um like the asc like it won it won that so it's like oh maybe it's more in the running than i thought um but yeah and then and frankly sound of metal winning editing is something i think it won the editors guild award and that was a surprise um so for those keeping track if you make a movie about a drummer, you're going to get a sound award and you're going to get editing. Just keep that in mind. If yeah. you want to win those two Oscars, maybe a few more, <laughs> but if you want to win those two, make a movie about a drummer. I feel like there's probably a Ringo Starr biopic coming up somewhere. That has got to be, <laughs> if he gets a biopic before, I, I guess there was that John Lennon movie with uh, uh, no, Nowhere Eric Boy Taylor Johnson. But yeah, but if, if Ringo gets a fucking biopic, obviously they should shoot George part Harrison? of it in black and white. Shoot part sure. of it in black and white, boom. You got the All the Hard Day's up. Night parts should be in black and white, yeah. Oh, see. Who would you get to play? Uh, I'm going to go to Ian on this. Who would you get to play Ringo Starr? Who plays Ringo? Um, John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> Goes with, it's, I'm stupid for not thinking of it earlier. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm angry that I even went to you. I feel. Uh, why am I even hosting this podcast? Um, but uh, okay. Well. Uh, well, I think we'll go ahead and and leave it there. Um, I will say just in general, this you know, our 2020 coverage is finally over. Uh, the, you know, the the BPs are out there. People have posted their their lists. We've done this. We, David and I did our top 10. So the 2020 is done. And can everybody hear me? Yeah. Okay. All right. Ian looks frozen to me. <laughs> it took me a minute to realize it, but it, it, I think it's a still image. So maybe he'll have I, to come back. But I anyway. Oh, there he is. We can finally turn our attention to the 2021 Oscars and exactly. Mortal Kombat will sweep them. <sighs> yeah, we're not going to have a movie journal for a while because of our schedule, but uh, yeah, I watched Mortal Kombat and uh, as, boy, as did I. And as you know what? I, I had read negative reviews and I thought I'm still a 10 year old boy and I'm just going to watch this movie. And sure enough, turns out the negative reviews were right. Um. But anyway, so yeah, so I'm excited that I can move on and watch other things at this point. Although I still, there are still 2020 movies I want to see. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, listeners, you're welcome to in the comments section 
uh, weigh in with what you thought of the ceremony, with what you thought is of the it, winners. Is it too late for me to plug something? No, I was about to. I was about to okay. talk to you guys, uh, Ian. Well, first off, thank you guys for being here, Ian. Sure. Where can people find you and your work online? What do you have to plug, as you so inelegantly said? Sure, you can you can find me on uh, Twitter at ibrill. Um, I B R I L L, my first initial and my last name. I signed up for Twitter when I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal, so I just use my regular kind of uh, initial kind of thing, and I wish I didn't. But there we go. But um, in recent months, I have been contributing to a video podcast uh, called To the Outer Limits, which is all about the classic Outer Limits. It's hosted by John Suntress and Gabriel Hardman. John Suntress, who hosts the Word Balloon podcast. Uh, comic book podcast i'm pretty sure he's interviewed i'm gonna say about 90 percent of the comic book industry gabriel hardman who's a brilliant uh comic book writer and artist also he does the green lantern earth one books he is a storyboard artist for films like uh inception and interstellar and uh ford v ferrari uh so both of them have wonderful insights into this amazing and I think often unheralded television show and I am lucky enough to show up sometimes along with other great creatives like Jeff Parker, Andy Parks uh, uh, and all kinds of folks and so we've been talking about classic episodes of The Outer Limits but I do want to point people to a very special episode where we interviewed the son of Joseph Stefano, Dominic oh. Stefano. So people might know the name Joseph Stefano. He wrote yeah. Psycho. And then Alfred Hitchcock asked him to write, I believe, The Birds or Marnie. And Joseph Stefano said, no, I'm going to become head writer for this show my friend Leslie Stevens created called The Outer Limits. And the first season of Outer Limits is amazing a lot of it is amazing because of what Jeff Joseph Stefano brought as head writer slash showrunner uh, in the fact that he brought a very literal uh, literary gothic uh, sense to a lot of his writing. If, if you think of like the scene between Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee when they're just like having sandwiches to get sandwiches together and you think yeah. language is using that the scenes that Joseph Stefano the episodes that Joseph Stefano writes is full of language like that uh wonderful work by Conrad Hall and Billy Fraker uh Billy Fraker was Conrad Hall's assistant and Conrad Hall is the DP for like half of the first season and so and also Great work from young actors like Martin Lando, uh, Martin Sheen, Robert, well, Robert Town wrote some, Robert Duvall. Um, great work there. And so there's a book of J Joseph Stefano's, some of his scripts for The Outer Limits. And we were lucky enough to interview uh, Dominic Stefano about that book that's coming out in kind of spring um, from Gauntlet Press. And Joseph Stefano is an interesting guy. 
so there's a lot of great talk about Outer Limits, a lot of great talk about Psycho and Hitchcock, talking about how Justice Stefano was almost going to uh, take over Star Trek, uh, how he did end up running an episode of Next Generation, um, the connection to the Manson murders because Joseph Stefano lived on Cielo Drive, uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, so check that out and also check out the the first season second season of outer limits are two very different shows we're into the second season now on our show but uh the first season of outer limits i think is really underrated it is not just like this weird like twilight zone little brother show it is definitely its own show kino lorber has done amazing blu-rays um and so i would like people to check it out Uh, if you only know the showtime show which i have some fondness for um, but it's not quite, it is nothing like the original black and white show. Uh, so that is something that's been really fun to do and has kept me, uh, kept my mind going during yeah. all of this. Um, maybe if you feel that way too. Like if I didn't have like a podcast to talk to, like I'd go insane. Yeah. But uh, that's been something that I hope people check out. Just go to the Word Balloon YouTube channel um, and or just search to the outer limits on YouTube and you'll find the episodes and check them out all out. Not just the ones I'm on. All right. Well, that's, uh, I appreciate you going into detail about that because I'm, I was also familiar in the nineties. I was familiar with like the outer limits remake and I, and I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed like kind of how dark it was. And then I discovered that like, oh, there was actually an earlier show and I'd seen a few episodes of it and I remember really liking it. And for whatever reason, not that you have to choose one or the other, but I remember liking that more than the Twilight Zone that I had seen. Yeah, um, Did, have you watched the, I know you love Robert Duvall. Have you watched the Robert Duvall episodes? No. Check it. Like, or not that I recall. I saw him a while ago. So there's three, one in the first season and one two-parter in the second season. The one in the first season, like, do people know that there's an hour of television written, co-written by the writer of Psycho, the writer of Chinatown, uh, and then starring Robert Duvall as this, like, ex-CIA agent, CIA agent who gets, who is happily turned into an alien because he says, I'm just a living weapon. Do people know that exists? Because that <laughs> exists, and it's incredible. It's an incredible hour of television. And it's always fun to see like actors that you know very well, like you see them in their early in their career oh, and you're just like, you're like, Oh, they've always been great. That's good to know. Amazing in that. Um, okay. Jason, where can people find you and your work online? Um, <clears throat> you can definitely find me on Twitter at Eakin. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I don't remember what my handle is. It's not the same. So it's confusing. I didn't do that well. Um, or you can check out my website, just jasoneakin.com. Um, I've been, I don't have a podcast. I completed my podcast right. about, about 12 years ago, 12, yeah. 13 years ago. So, you know, it's finished. Um, but I've been directing a lot this just year. Like, just like um, Jesus, uh, when you, on your last episode, you said it is accomplished. <laughs> and and, uh, and you gave this, this gift to the world. You know, as it happens, Tyler, uh, we actually said it is accomplished like five episodes in. And then we said, you know, we'll give you a few more. Yeah. Yeah. These next ones. 
they're just uh, the icing on the cake. Bonus, baby. Uh, um, okay, I'm sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I've been directing a lot this year um, and and doing a lot of editing. Very excited about um, a piece that I'm working on. It's like a sort of a short film, sort of a brand. It's more short film than brand commercial for this fitness studio here in Los Angeles. Um, but it's, it's going to be completed sometime in the next few weeks. And so it'll be, you know, it'll be up on my website and it'll be up on, um, on this uh, fitness website as well. So i um, doing a few different little videos for that, but um, was an amazing shoot and something I'm very proud of. So I'm actually very excited for people to, to get to see it. And so I am working with a composer this week to get an original score for it, which is very exciting. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what I'm working on and that'll be on my website, jasonekin.com. All right. Very exciting. Well, uh, thank you guys again for being, uh, on the show and talking about the Oscars and, uh, thank you at home for listening and we'll get you next time. Bye.